It is 1.10 in the afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams broadcasting or podcasting to you from Billings, Montana in a basement here in Billings, Montana. This is the LDS Live podcast. Before I forget, let me give you the contact information because I have been notorious lately about forgetting the contact information. So if you want to comment on the podcast, go ahead and do so at kevinw at ldslivepodcast.com. That's kevinw at ldslivepodcast.com. I also have a Facebook page, uh, LDS, uh, the LDS Live Podcast. And on Twitter, it's LDS Live Podcast. So Facebook, it's the LDS Live Podcast. Twitter, it is LDS Live Podcast. I had to do that with Twitter because it wouldn't let me put the whole entire thing in. And why the website is not the ldslipodcast.com, just ldslipodcast.com, I don't know. Just created it that way. Anyway, um, there, those are the, that is the contact information. If you want to leave a note on the, about the podcast, maybe there's a future guest or you want to comment on something that I have said or a guest has said. Janelle Tobias is with me. She's become a regular guest of mine. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. I like coming on your podcast. I, I feel like a uh, like a Fox News contributor or something, uh-huh. you know, like when people yeah. contribute. So I'll just be like um, the, the Kevin contributor. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like about you? And I was telling a friend of mine this the other day. You and I would, I would think we probably agree, what, 80% of the time, 85% of the time probably? Um, yeah, is there something we don't agree on? I haven't, I can't remember. <laughs> um, but. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, but I, I know we may. Maybe food choices or something. <laughs> well, I think we kind of disagree a little bit about gun control, just a little. Oh, um, uh-oh. Yeah, but you know what I like about you is we can have a disagreement and still be friends after the fact. That's true, and that's the way it should be, and most people can't have conversations anymore without calling names and pushing and shoving, and um, I'm thinking my days of activism were pretty, I'm still very active, but I used to hold rallies all the time, and nobody got into fights, nobody had to call the cops, they were pretty, very polite and civil rallies and protests, and yeah. Now it's not that way anymore. Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, we have lost the ability to have a good dialogue with each other, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, but you're, I think that you're a good conversationalist, and I like doing podcasts with you. So, And I'm excited to talk about conference. Yeah, real quick, before we get there, the only thing that I would probably disagree with you on gun control, I oh, still Oh, here we think- go. <laughs> I still think there ought to be regulations, and I'm saying this because I have been around people who are bipolar and just go berserk. The last thing I want is to have a handgun, so I think there should be a law or something that says keep the hand, keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill, and I'm not trying to be mean. I've just seen bipolar people go berserk, and I do not want any weapon around that person. What do you I think? I understand where you're coming from, though, too. Um, well, it's interesting because I have had some um, positive experiences with bipolar where I would not 
fear them having a firearm. And I have had experiences with bipolar people where I would fear them mm-hmm. having a firearm. So I think it, and, but there's also um, the National Association for the Mentally Ill. I haven't done research lately, but back in the day when I used to argue this all the time, they would say there's no connection between mental illness and violence. So that I, Oh, go ahead. And as weird as that sounds, I know like as weird as that sounds, because we never like people can be completely not violent and all of a sudden they snap or they, they get in a fight with their significant other and love and hate are a very fine line. And, and, and one of the number one, motives for homicide is domestic violence and that's that people that love each other hurt each other yeah i i just i disagree with that uh that there is no connection between mental illness and violence just because how many times have you heard or possibly and i've seen this with my own personal experience people that are bipolar everything's fine and they think, oh, I don't need my medication. I haven't done this in years or a year or so. And they don't take it. Then they start going into mood swings. Then they start mm-hmm. going just berserk and going delusional and getting paranoid. And I know one that uh, almost hit his little nephew had he had his father not been protecting him. And I'm just thinking, I don't want that guy with a gun at all because I don't know when he's going to take his meds or not. I, that's interesting while you were talking because you, um, when you're an activist, you learn to multitask. Most of the things are saying there's a, there's a very small connection between mental illness and violence. Harvard Health, most individuals with psychiatric disorders are not violent. So that goes into a whole new realm. And and I'm glad you asked me this question. We could really go down a, a rabbit hole, as they say. But yeah, I, it's, um, I have been with people lately who go into, um, how do I say that? Like a, uh, like a, a curse filled rage, not my husband. He's perfect. Okay. He, I'm happy <laughs> to, you know, like put up with what I do. But, yeah, a friend but of ours people, thinks very highly of your husband, by the way. Oh, well, oh, you have to tell me afterwards, yeah. unless you want to say it now. <laughs> I think I know it's the same person that gave you some women advice, yes. probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So I now that makes me wonder what he thinks of me, but never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I've been around people that that go off into a raging lunatic um yelling cursing spasm so i wondered do i have need to be concerned so i talked to the person about it and they said that they need to vent so uh, this is really deep mm-hmm. along those lines if someone just needs to vent do we need to call the cops on them when they're venting? No. I know sometimes when people vent. You, you said no so quickly. Really? Yeah, because wow. if you're just venting and I've, I'll admit, even though I'm LDS, uh, my computer crashes. 
I say just about every swear <laughs> word in the book, with the exception of the Lord's name in vain. What? You do? I can't imagine. I can't even imagine that coming from you. But um, so so uh, that would show because I think... to call the cops on me just because of that? No. <laughs> I've, I've, I have gone off into raging like that. Ugh, I'd like to, ugh, you know, but you don't mean it. You have to get it off your chest you need to get things off your chest or you will be violent so may maybe be violent so that's why i've always advocated that is why talk radio is so valuable because people have a chance to get on the radio and vent mm -hmm. and so i told you that would go off a real long tangent so i you know, in some situations, you think, like, do I need to, you know, confiscate their firearms or whatever? And and maybe they just need to vent. But you never know, because then you hear stories where somebody went off the deep end. But does every time, but but you can't, if, if people are afraid to vent, they're, if they're afraid if they vent and they're going to lose civil rights, they're not going to vent. And maybe they'll do something not helpful to mm -hmm. society <laughs> does that make sense yeah kind of yeah kind of um i just look at uh, a case we all know and we've got to get back on topic but th i think we need to go down this road a little bit because it's been on my mind with everything you look at the case uh where wayne cardall i believe is who it was uh, Wayne, well, Wayne was the editor. So it was uh, Wayne Cardell's son who was pulled. He got into. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Episode, and I'm thinking, geez, I don't want this guy with a gun going off on a bipolar episode like this. Uh, I could understand why the state would tell him you can't have a handgun. It's nothing against him. It's just the medication X. It's so unpredictable at times. Nothing against him. Not not even trying right. to guns away. It's just me wanting to protect society. Well, that does go off into a whole nother tangent, and that is: Does um, the psycho? I can't psychotropic drugs. Do they call the 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 very drugs that are supposed to stop violence? there's enough evidence to say that they do cause violence. So I can that, agree that's with a you whole... there, actually. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done much <laughs> research, but I do know that there is, uh, there is a correlation, let's face it, between gun violence and Prozac. There is a, that's been documented. I can actually agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, that's a whole, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a road that really people should go down. And it's unfortunate that um, not a whole lot of opinions are allowed on this. They just automatically jump to the um, the, the most um, easiest conclusion, and that is to confiscate their guns. Do I think you should remove guns from around them? Yes, I certainly do. But again, that comes to family stewardship and the people that you're with. And that they should, you know, they should be watching situations like that. I had a friend that I thought was a raving lunatic, quite honestly. And she always wanted me to help her get a gun. And I never did. So does she have the right? Yeah, I think she did. I thought she was a raving lunatic, okay? Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean she would use it. But, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's 
Yeah, uh, it's an, I think we really need to have this conversation because I get worried. And again, maybe I, I it's not that I'm a gun control freak because I'm not. I think we're going too far with this gun control thing. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of protecting society. But yeah. I, I, I really think at some point, I, I can't have this conversation entirely for the whole hour, but I think we really ought to have this conversation because it, it really concerns me when I hear of, oh, so-and-so didn't take their medication today. That's, I'm thinking, what? But we know, look at uh, Kip Kinkle. Do you remember Kip Kinkle? Um, these are all names probably of mass murderers. <laughs> yes, Kip Kinkle was uh, the, he was one of the first people to do a high school shooting in the 1990s and 1998. And I remember this vividly in Springfield, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he was on Prozac. His parents decided he didn't need it anymore. Guess what happened? He went berserk. He shot his parents went to school the next day, went on a shooting spree. And I'm thinking this is where I'm coming from. When I say I want the hand, I want guns out of the hands of the mentally ill because, and again, it's nothing against them. It's not because I'm a gun control freak. I'm just looking at society's protection here. And the, obviously if the guy's not going to take his meds medication, or if there's an ignorance about Prozac, I, I don't, quite frankly, don't trust the person at times of when they are or are not going to take their medication. Maybe it's because I've had experience with this. I don't have bipolar Mm -hmm. or any of that, but I know people that do, and I've seen them off their medication. I have a hard time being around them. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but, but the problem is when you put the government in charge of it, they'll use any excuse they can to get your guns, and then they go to your home and confiscate them and that's a, not a good idea at all, and that's what these red flag laws are. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you on the red flag laws, by the way. I, you don't I, get to go to somebody's house and take their personal belongings. No, you don't. I you agree know, with so, you there. Um, so, yeah, definitely interesting. So here's my solution. I think that mm-hmm. people need to turn to God, and that's why conference is so wonderful. Is that a good segue? Yes, yes. Let's get back to, yes, good way of bridging into the topic. Oh, you yeah. should uh, be in the, on the radio. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gee, I did radio for a long time. That's a whole other story. So. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah uh, before we get into conference, I want to talk to you about the church policy uh, that has been reversed about allowing gay parents, or I should say LGBT parents, to bless or to have their children be members of the church, knowing that they're going to be taught uh, Latter-day Saint doctrine. What do you think? Well, that is a very interesting question, and it certainly has caused a lot of discord here um, among members of the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if you have gay children and if you don't have gay children and people who have empathy for the homosexuals, which I certainly do. I've, I've been to two or three gay weddings and I have a lot of gay friends and I adore them. Uh, gay I have a friends gay friend and relatives. too. 
Yeah. And, and so I, I think like right now, I think we all have a gay friend or a gay relative, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the odds are. And so we love them and we, um, we want to understand them. We certainly don't want them to have violence done against them or be discriminated in, in any way. But you did bring up an interesting question was I, it's interesting to me if if you why would you really care if if your child is baptized or not into a religion that mainstreams heterosexual marriage yeah the, the i never i'll be honest with you uh it's interesting because i i started developing the website right around the time this policy came out and by the time i was actually mm-hmm. doing the podcast i it kind of fizzled out but to be mm-hmm. honest, I never liked the original policy in the first place. It made no sense because uh, parents who are inactive can, uh, heterosexual parents can let their children be baptized and blessed. So what's the difference in my mind between that and an LGBT person? I, I never, I, that policy never suited with me. Did I leave the church over it? No, but that doesn't mean I liked it. Well, I think that that is a policy question, and sometimes people on, on policy, it's hard to know what to do. If if I were to second guess why that happened, I would think that it's because they, the the image of um, a gay couple coming and sitting in a chapel and having their child blessed, or a sacrament. Um, may have been hard for some people to take and may have been considered to be a mockery. I'm not, look, I know gay marriage is legal now. I'm just trying to guess just because, because of the proclamation of the family. And I, I heard many comments such as, like, I wish I could have an interview with the general authority to get baptized. So they were saying, like, they're actually having more attention paid to them in that they, who gets to have an opportunity to speak with the general authority before baptism, it's usually your bishop and stake president. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it, that that was a bad thing. It, it, you know, maybe a good thing, but it depends on what lens you look at that issue through. Well, uh, Russell M. Nelson though, and I want to bring up another point and then we really should get into conference, but I thought that this was pretty important to bring up uh, Russell M. Nelson. If you remember, was pretty adamant back in 2015. Well, I think more so in 2016. And I believe uh, D. Todd Christofferson was adamant this was revelation. Well, if it was revelation, I, again, I'm not going to, I'm a firm, I'm a temple recommend holder. I'm just trying to sort this out. I'm thinking, okay, uh, why the flip-flop then? It seems like if a revelation is given, it ought to be, stagnant for at least 100 years or 40 years or something and then I was also reminded of the time and again I don't want to speak ill of uh, the church leaders here but I was reminded of the time when Joseph Smith was commanded not to show the plates to anybody except Martin Harris. Martin Harris Mm -hmm. demanded that he showed the plates to his wife and Joseph Smith finally led him after a revelation. And I, I'm just sitting here thinking, is this something similar here? I don't know. That is speculation. 
so, yeah. but it's certainly, you're not the first to speculate about this. I've read numerous social media posts and newspaper articles on this. And one even said, this just shows that God didn't make us, that we made God. Because in other words, that peer pressure forced God to reverse a revelation. So I don't really know. I, to me, that is, that there are certain basic principles and fundamental um, fundamental principles and the Book of Mormon that remain to be my reason to stay active mm -hmm. member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because living in Utah especially is very difficult because there are we're, we're the first ones to get criticized and oh the Mormons look what they do but I it, it's bizarre to me to for to think that of all the good things that Mormons do, a, a kind of a basic fundamental principle is by their fruits, you shall know them. Yep. And I, and everybody understands that in every religion, there's always bad apples. Sure. So you can't judge the church by the bad apples. But I think if, if we're, if we're to judge the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a whole, and look at what they do by their fruits. I'm not talking about the guy that ripped, the, I'm not talking about the elders quorum and the stake president that ripped off a person in their ward for a million bucks. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the programs yeah. that help people. That That's not a bad thing. And just a, a recent testimony booster for me was just to go to Welfare Square. <laughs> I'm already choking up. Because um, everywhere there's any kind of a, a Latter-day Saint. I, is that what we say now? I'm still confused. Yeah, we you can know, use Latter-day Latter Saints, Saints uh, after we use the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, according to the Style Guide, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it, it's Mormons is easier. But anyway. I know. A Latter-day <laughs> Latter Saint facility, um, there's a spirit about it. And, and Welfare Square is in a not so desirable part of town and so not i'm not saying about the people i'm just saying there's neighborhoods yeah everybody knows there's nice neighborhoods and there's not nice neighborhoods yep and neighborhoods where you could be alone after dark and neighborhoods where you don't be along after dark it's just part of our world and so the neighborhood is is not as uh, desirable of a neighbor Hood, let's say as in Beverly Hills okay so but as soon as um, I, I walked on to, temp, to Welfare Square you drive through the gates and everything's immaculate they if you notice like the flowers and everything at every LDS facility seems to be on steroids or something oh yeah um, uh, you go to the LDS temple grounds I don't care where you're at Boise Idaho you feel the same spirit don't you it's the yes. fountains and the flowers. Like you go to any temple, you feel that. Sure. And and so I felt that there, even at, even at Welfare Square. And really, what is more Christ-like than feeding people? And so I I have volunteered my time at Welfare Square several times. Um, mm -hmm. and they're located, you know, at different locations in in Salt Lake County and in Utah and throughout the world. Everyone has there's a church facility where you can go work. Yeah. at a facility that that produces canned goods or dairy and 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 so i working at making cheese everything is like there's not a speck of dust anywhere even in 
a facility that's making messes. Everything is immaculate. And there's a good spirit there, and they play uplifting music. So that's what I'm talking about when I when I talk about fruits mm-hmm. of the church. Is how how can you bash that? How is feeding yeah. people a bad thing? How is um, teaching? That's what I always say. Like wow, like Mormons are so evil. They teach every Mormon wants to go to the celestial kingdom. Like oh, that's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, like. What could be so bad about that? I like living as much as I get ticked at members of my own faith as a whole. I really like living around people because my neighbors mostly saints still, you know, whatever we call them, you know, and and so like, yeah, they're imperfect and, you know, we all have imperfections, but, but everybody kind of wakes up every day and is like, how can I be perfect so I can go to the highest level of heaven, right? Sure. Um, yeah, um, I I was thinking about this today, and then we'll definitely get into conference. Um, City Creek, a lot of people have a problem with City Creek, and I, I get it because a lot of the uppity stores are in City Creek, like Tiffany's, and certainly yeah. sound on the surface doesn't sound very spiritual, but uh, I tend to look at City Creek as a couple things. Number one, the church has always had an image to protect ever since the beginning. When I say the beginning, I'm talking about 1830. They've always right. had an image to protect and always will. What is the goal of the church? Well, one of them, to keep downtown Salt Lake clean. So maybe they had to have, or maybe it was within their best interest to have those stores that are uppity, like Tiffany's and some of the others. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Another thing, just because it's City Creek doesn't mean it'll be City Creek forever. Maybe there's different plans. We don't know. What What's your thoughts on that? Speaking of the church uh, having a clean image, and if you've been to City Creek, you'd really – oops, hang on. Oh, yeah, there's uh, not too many places I can shop at at City Creek, but they do have some good chocolate and cookie places and places to eat there. But so that – that is that has been a, a point among many people they consider it to be the great and spacious building. But I, if you believe, like I like to believe that they were inspired uh, on what businesses to put there, and and maybe you know maybe they're the only ones they could afford it. I I don't know. Like I'm happy there's people that go to Tiffany's and well, that I would just it's the finer things of life. Here's the thing. Um... To your point about the temple, there's a fountain. City Creek is a beautiful place. I can even sense that being blind. And I don't know about you, but when I'm at that's City Creek. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. I forgot you were blind for a second. But yeah, that's interesting <laughs> that you can tell that. You wouldn't know if there's a speck of dust or not, if it's dirty. But you can, you can, you're saying you can feel it? Yeah. It's, you can uh, sense it? You know, the... Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, and this is why I am not critical of City Creek, even though some people are, especially those who have left the church, I'm not critical of it because, sure, on the surface, it seems like we're uppity, but you have to admit, although my brother hasn't noticed it, but I have noticed whenever I've gone into City Creek, number one, it's very peaceful there, and mm-hmm. I would I would suspect it has to do with the church owning it. There's a lot of it. And number two, 
And I don't mean this in a bad way either, but you feel like you're in this utopian society at City Creek, don't you? In a good um, way. I feel that way. And again, like I'm, this is an interesting concept I haven't thought about how a blind person feels there because I can see I can see the beauty and you have to feel the beauty yeah um, but it, I mean it is beautiful everything's first class I don't yeah. know how they do it everything the church does is first class makes me yeah. feel like kind of like a tramp sometimes I, I you know yeah, I, I think when the church invests in major real estate project like the projects like this that don't seem to be spiritual, I think sometimes we might have to look at the bigger picture and think maybe there's a different plan. Uh, because these stores at City Creek, I'll tell you what, they're not going to be there forever. Yes, and Salt Lake is a, a tourism destination. Yeah. To for the most part, and that's a tourist attraction. So you have things a little nicer. It's like when you have guests, you put out the good yeah. silverware, you put out the the nice. I I don't I don't like trying to do. I don't have room for. I I put out the nice paper plates. You know, I buy more expensive <laughs> yeah. paper plates. <laughs> yeah. China or something. You know that you just you just put out your. You you want to make guests feel welcome and. Um, and make them feel like it's a special place to come. It's especially because what what other church gets beat up on more than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Do you know of one? No, I don't. Maybe the Catholics, but I don't think they come close. Yeah, and it, it's almost like it, it's totally okay to beat up. I'm just going to say beat up on Mormons. Yeah. It's totally fine. And because the the media does it like, People do it. I get hate mail. I'm like, why? On on hate crime legislation, they say religion. You know, or does that get included if you're in Utah? I've had so much hate mail because of things, because I won't back down on my belief in the church and and my love for it. And I get all this stuff. Oh, Joseph Smith was a whatever and. Brigham Young was a whatever, and you guys are, you know, false prophets, and certainly, I'm going to do a segue back into what we talked about, yeah. certainly, you know, the the changing of a, a policy issue on how the children of gay and lesbian couples mm -hmm. are treated could certainly be totally fair game. I, I think it's fair game for people to wonder about that mm -hmm. so I, I don't i don't know what the answer is i don't either I, uh, for the full disclosure no i am not leaving the church over it by the way i know that there are people out there who are thinking yeah come on come on just denounce no 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 uh there have to be a lot to get me to leave the church and i do have a testimony of the book of mormon so yeah uh no i am not leaving uh questioning it yes but leaving it no mm -hmm. no 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 i i it's like where do you, where do you go yeah <laughs> what what church would i even join yeah i there the, everything that this gospel is so fulfilling in every way there's so many questions that are answered for me. And I don't think there's 
So if people say, oh, you know, like attire in the temple or something like, so what? Everybody has, you, you can go back since eons of time. People have had clothing that they've worn in their temple. I could no. say, and, and I certainly wouldn't mock another religion's what they wear, but they're certainly, I could certainly say stuff about certain attire I've seen in public of other religions, but I won't do that. But again, Mormons, we we get bashed for everything. Yeah. So, speaking of uh, beautiful places, uh, the conference center is one miraculous place. Uh, I remember going in there for the first time a few months after I came off my mission, thinking I could just sit here and read the scriptures. The spirit was so strong. And speaking of uh, conference, really interesting. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. you don't like you haven't even seen it to to actually see how giant it is, right? Oh, I've been through that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've been through the whole thing. Well, most of it, whatever they let you go through, I've been through. And they let Uh, you go on top of it, too. I mean, it's it's a work of art. Everything. And that's so clean. How do they keep things so clean that thousands of people go in every day? Even the temples get completely cleaned every single day. Yeah, I I can honestly tell you this. I went into the conference center on a Friday night. I believe it was sometime in October of 2000. I kid you not. I just thought, I wish I could stay here all night and just read scriptures because the spirit was so strong. And I thought I could learn more here maybe than elsewhere. I'm not joking either. It was miraculous. Well, and I have performed in choirs there. They what's what's really awesome is they don't they don't say, Oh, this is just for the 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 formerly Mormon Tabernacle Choir, the, the choir at Temple Square, you know, they mm-hmm. they allow other um wards and stakes and regions to perform there. Sure. Um so I, I've performed at the old tabernacle with because um, I'm a singer and just with um, they'll have special stake the regions you know that will sing for certain events and then I sing for the Relief Society um, oh, okay. program once and, and so like it, it's not only a beautiful building but just function of it how quickly they can move sets the way things they have arranged they even have like a lunchroom to feed people, you know, during conference and stuff. And they have people making lunches and stuff. How, how do you, especially like that all of the people that have to leave at noon and be back by two, how do you eat and get back and not be late? Those kinds of things they take care of um, feeding hundreds of people. I don't know how they do it. It, it, and so again, that to me is a testimony of order in God's house and other religions have it too. But if, if we're going to focus in on the Mormons are just like, they they're led by all these sex maniacs or whatever. I I don't think that if, I don't think that if, if you're a bad Apple or a bad actor. I don't think you can produce good fruits 
and, and make people feel the spirit. But you would know that more than anybody because I think that you have to rely on the spirit in everything that you do. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the conference center, what did you think of conference in the conference center now that, uh, but I think we had some good discussion though. So I, I'm not going to be sarcastic about us going off topic because I think we discussed some valid points. Uh, what did you think of conference though? What was your favorite talk and all? Okay. Well, the hardest talk for me is going to be the talk on clamor by Elder Holland. And I think everybody usually loves his talks, but I'm not sure they're going to like his talk on clamor <laughs> in the chapels. But I, as an organ player, I notice the clamor. And you probably notice the clamor. It, it is so loud. At, and, and I always thought, well, good. You know, that just means, like, people are happy to be there. And But he made the point that there are a lot of people that go there with a broken heart and a contrite spirit that really do need to have some quiet time to worship. It's interesting that uh, Jeffrey R. Holland bought this up because when I lived in Arkansas and I'd go to church, uh, if it, and I never really paid attention because I was talking just like anyone else and didn't bother me, but the bishop would get up there or somebody and say, there's too much noise in the chapel. We need to be more oh, reverent. Oh, really? Yeah. Even in Arkansas, so it's not just a Utah thing. No. In fact, I've <laughs> wow. never heard that done in Utah. I only heard it, I've only heard it done in Arkansas. Oh, I Maybe think it's... it's been done in Utah. In fact, oh, okay. the state president has asked several times to keep it down, and it usually lasts about a week. But I, I'm guilty of it. But here, here's oh, why. Oh, we all are. I'm going to, yeah. I, so I, it's a good thing, I think, if church members can be friends. But I think maybe we forget, like, there are people really, really do come to church to worship. Well, I, um, I always I, thought, oh, go ahead. Oh, that's all I was going to say. Well, I always thought, I don't know, when Jeffrey R. Hall gave that talk, I, I, that was my first thought. Uh, but now I'm thinking about my mission. There was a concern about reverence, too, before sacrament, and the bishop, who, interestingly enough, is no longer a member. That's a whole other story we can oh, talk really? about later. Oh, Where'd yeah. you go on your mission? Oh, I went to Cali uh, the Canada-Halifax mission, Nova Scotia. Oh. I served in Sackville, which is a suburb of Halifax, and then uh, Grand oh, Falls, wow. Windsor, Newfoundland. Wow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my first Sunday there, they were worried about, this was in Sackville, the suburb of Halifax, they were worried about reverence. And so what the bishop did is he had a reverent child get up on the stand and fold his or her arms before sacrament. And the bishop got oh. up there and said, we have too much chatter. That's why we have a reverent child up here. And oh, really? Yeah, this is back in 1999, and I thought, no, well, maybe the people out of Utah get what Jeffrey R. Holland's saying, but apparently your your experience is different, I guess. Well, in in primary, I think I'm a little bit older than you, and they always had a reverent child in primary. I don't know if you remember that. No. That they remind people, they would have a reverent child in primary get up and remind people to be reverent. And and I've actually been accused of being irreverent, like more more times than I care to say. Oh, and I think we all have. That's been a at whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> like 
I, but I don't like to be shamed about it. It, it, you know, like little kids like me. And, and so I, you know, I cause irreverence. They come and hug me and stuff like that. So for, for my clamor that I have to wonder what's going to happen, I play the organ and the little kids love me and they come up and sit by me on the organ bench. Mm-hmm. And they said that people on the organ need to, or people on the stand need to be not talking to set the example, but like they, it's so, I just think it's adorable. They come up and sit by me and I let them push buttons and stuff and they tell me about their week. And so I don't know, maybe that's going to have to stop now, but that's, I mean, that's, I look forward to that because little kids are the greatest. They make it oh, yeah. so important. So for all of oh, the yeah. people that hate my guts politically <sighs> to have little kids come up and give me a hug and talk to me, that's my medicine. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Even M. Russell Ballard kind of uh, did a precursor to that, didn't he? Where he talked about, and I do want to get into this talk, so we'll just get into it here. Um, something to the effect of uh, Sunday or being in the chapel is not a place to talk about our adventures. We can do that outside of church. Uh, did you catch that with Elder Ballard? Um, I somehow missed that. I don't remember that at all. I think it's because he, there was so many things. This is why I go back and review the talks because I'm noticing people have a tendency to focus on just one thing that was said in a talk. Have you noticed that? Maybe I'm more sensitive to it because I listen to podcasts about the church and I'm on social media because of my podcast. But have you noticed that or am I just more sensitive to it now than we're on social media and everything? People tend to pay attention to just one thing in a talk, never mind the fact that he said a whole bunch of other things that are being ignored because people are focusing on that one thing. Yeah, I agree with that because I did like the way Holland talked about the Lamb of God and how probably my favorite line of the whole conference, he has a very poetic way of saying stuff and he was talking about how the Lamb of God and, you know, his sacrifice was making its way down a row. It, well, however, he said that was really touching. Yeah, well, everybody talks about M. Russell Ballard saying, oh, uh, he hinted that we wouldn't have any more changes in conference, which uh, we'll get to. And that's all they talked about. Why well, listen to the talk? He said a whole oh, bunch of things before I that. I remember he, that. Wow. I listened yeah. to it. But well, I did too. And well, again, he this, said there's not going to be any more changes in conference? You mean like No, but remember when he hinted, he said – people are losing the spirit because they're so excited about the changes, basically saying, keep the spirit. And I actually kind of read into that. Um, Don't expect any changes this time. I I kind of, that's why I quit anticipating changes. Well, that's because they were having Facebook groups. They, like everybody thought for sure that you were going to get to drink coffee now and go to the temple. Oh yeah. You know, that the girls were going to pass the sacrament and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And and it became a game and they, they there's even a bingo game. I don't know if you've, if you've seen it. Where no. they, like they had all these speculations and people in primary, we played, we had a little bingo game. Like every time the prophet talked about Jesus or sacrament or blessings or tithing, you got a little bingo, but mm-hmm. this one was all like speculations of what was going to happen. I even heard things like we wouldn't be required to wear garments except at the yeah, temple. Yeah, I've heard so, all that too. <laughs> it's like when people know they're going to get a new bishop, they speculate. Yeah. So 
maybe it just got out of hand. I, I like in private, I talk about like, Oh, like I wonder what they're going to do, but I would, I would never like go public and, 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 and make it in a public forum. I think, I don't think it matters what you talk about personally and privately because I don't think they would infringe yeah, upon that's free why speech, I didn't but do, it, you know the podcast and I've heard they do pre-conference reports oh what do you think is going to happen? I didn't do that because what good is it going to do me none yeah yeah that I I, I thought about it the thought crossed my mind but I decided against it because I didn't want to take away the spirit from general conference just like uh, Elder Ballard said, but they were so focused on that that they forgot the rest of his talk. He was reminiscing. In fact, I'm reading my notes right now. He was reminiscing about his time as a 70 and being in the uh, Toronto, Canada mission. Um, and then he talked about, he mentioned something very briefly at the end of his talk about how there's plenty of conversation. There's plenty of time for conversation about, our adventure in, or, you know, talking about our adventures, but how we really should talk about spiritual things in the chapel, which admittingly, it's hard to do. I, I'm not, I can't say I'll be perfect at it, but uh, he had a point though, didn't he? Yeah, I get what they're saying. And, and as an organ player, I, I noticed the clamor. Mm -hmm. But I have, it, it's hard, I, I'm just saying, to be yeah. honest, Mormons have such a hard time. There are so many rules for us. Yeah. And and now we're being told what we can say yeah. at church. So, you know, that's hard for me to handle, but I guess I'm going to have to handle it. I'll just go in there and not talk to anybody and go home. That's the way it makes me want to be, like, immediately. Like really, I think, you know. I don't think he said that, but I do understand your point. So I I can see if you have going to the gay point, you know, if you have gay children and you're being told that you can't, your children can't be baptized because your your daughter married a girl. Mm -hmm. uh, all those things, a, a lot of things are hard. Mormons yeah. hear hard things. Yeah. So. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> like, okay, we got another rule to follow. Another list. You know. Maybe we just need to be more quiet. Um, I, I didn't look at it like we can't socialize. I just looked at it. Maybe we just needed to be more quiet before sacrament. I get his point because um, sometimes when it is quiet, it is easier to feel the spirit. Not that you can't when we're talking, but I I do understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I get that too. I understand that. And I, I know that my family is tremendously loud. I had at my daughter's mission farewell and my family's loud anyway. And I just remember like, I know the volume and they tell you to take the socializing out in the foyer but nobody really does, you know? And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is so loud. But it's not just my family. I've noticed it on on other, you know, the volume goes up substantially. So We all have, we all have a problem with this, I'll admit. Like I said, I'm not going to be perfect at it. We're all, we all have an issue with this. Mm -hmm. um, so clamor and, and, and to me, a theme was, um, 
more than anything that really hit me is that repentance and that it doesn't matter if you've been excommunicated, if you've removed your own name off the records of the church, that God wants you, that no matter like how bad your sins have been, they even made reference to the the Nephites or the Lamanites who was who a bloodthirsty people. It's not Lamanites or Nephites, it goes back and forth. But at that yeah. time, the reference was the Book of Mormon scripture that they had become a bloodthirsty people. Um, and, and even, you know, so even as bad as you get, and, and as I look around at the world, I see people doing really bad things. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I think, I don't think God, I don't think the atonement's for them, you know. <laughs> Here's the <laughs> thing that is. I wonder, though. Uh, if you did a really bad crime, let's say that you're a serial killer like Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. I really doubt Ted Bundy has a chance to repent and convert to the gospel. Do you? Because the Bible, and I say this because the Bible makes it very clear that murder, with the exception of certain circumstances, is an unforgivable sin. So what's your opinion on that? It seems like there are certain limits where you couldn't entirely apply the atonement. What's your opinion of that? I'm trying to remember a talk that I heard years ago about murder and if there is redemption for you. And they pointed to a scripture, I think it was in the Book of Mormon, that that alluded to maybe, you know, but but again, God is the judge. And I I would like to think not, you know, that um, that you're you kill that many people like no, you don't have a chance, but I don't know. I, I kind of don't think so, but I certainly think it's better if, if you're a murderer and if you, you're going to spend the rest of your time in jail and, or, or you might even be accidentally let back into the community, which happens a lot of times they serve their time and they get let back out. And so it's, I think it's, I think there's more of a chance for them to be reformed if they're treated like they can have a chance at a somewhat normal life. Otherwise, they'll go back to a life of crime. But I don't think anybody would ever really accept them. I don't even know anybody who would ever hire them or give them a place to live. Yeah, but how many times have we heard over and over and over as a youth um sex is the sex out of wedlock is the second most grievous sin towards murder and how many times have we heard growing up murder is something we can't repent of unless it's self-defense or unless we're in a war um my whole life (laughs) yeah like countless times yeah Yeah. so because we're the only religion i think that places sex outside of marriage that closely tied to murder so so uh, i guess back to your point here about the atonement being pretty i would think that there would be an exception maybe murder and child abuse uh because even the bible frowns upon that very highly yes and okay who somebody gave a talk Oh, it was the prophet, and he was saying um, something, and then he said, somebody asked him something, 
Like, is there a place for me? And he goes, well, I'm not the judge. So, so even he recognized that, that we're, we're not the judges and, and ultimately that God is the judge, but that no matter, um, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure murder is like a, no, um, I, I think the atonement applies, but I think that, I, I don't know, I, that's what I don't know, I, I don't know, speculation, <laughs> um, but but there are some bad people out there. Let's say they make bad movies or they make bad video games or they committed a lot of really awful stuff. Let your imagination go wild. Mm-hmm. That was what they said, that you're the God holds his arms open for everybody, no matter how far off base you get. Yeah. Um, I guess the only argument that I would have, then we got to move on is uh, that's kind of saying, Eat, drink, and be merry every day is something that I can do. That's the that's the problem I have when we have these talks. Is on one hand you're saying one thing, but on one hand you're saying, "Oh, I can eat, drink, and be merry and repent in the next life." That seems to me that's very contrary to what the Book of Mormon says. In fact, it makes it very if clear you, that if, we're not supposed to do that. If you have eaten and drinking your whole life, and and but you are, do you can they repent? Well, yes, they can repent. Yeah, but I do know in, yes, but I guess. But they, according to Nelson, you need to make those changes before you die. Well, yeah, because I would think it would be much harder in the spirit world without a body. Um, you have to have a change of heart before you die. That that was my take. Yeah. Out of everything. Speaking Just, of. Because, uh, yeah, there's people that think you don't have to do anything. You can do anything you want. And, and, you know, God will beat us with a few stripes, but in the end, whatever that scripture is. Yeah, well, I'm talking about Second Nephi chapter 28, where religions preach, um, you know, it said, drink, eat, drink, and be merry every day, lie a little, cheat a little, something, I can't remember the whole thing, and I, it take me a while to look it up. Uh, but I, I'm sure we, you've heard the scripture before. Yeah, it's a scripture, chase scripture. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of President Nelson, did you get a chance to listen to the priesthood session? Yes, I did. I what did you think of TV. President Nelson's talk? Uh, it was on repentance, wasn't it? Oh, that and, well, I'll tell you what uh, struck me. Remember, um, last year, or not, yeah, last year in uh, October, the women at the women's conference were encouraged to do a social media fast. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And I thought, okay, uh, from a public relations standpoint and just to be equal, it would be appropriate to have men do a fast for something. Oh yeah. And everybody got mad about that. I remember. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kept thinking, okay, here it comes when he talked about, sports and video games i thought okay here here it comes we're supposed to take a fast from that uh we're supposed to take a fast from our phone here it comes never happened um now again i'm not bitter about it, it doesn't even make me mad but, but, but did you I know it was that interesting in, in ward houses like after that they i i do believe they announced it from the pulpit that they asked men to do the same thing and in the ward really? announcement they they would also they yeah, it, men had, I think, the same stuff that we had, except 
you know, like go to Princeton to Relief Society or something. I took a so social media did, fast after that, actually. Oh, that's I forgot already that we had a fast. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't have really a whole lot of hard stuff. In fact, I mean, two hour church was my thing. It's like I, yeah, everything else like that. I don't care. Throw throw whatever you want. On yeah. me. I got two hour church. I can I can take anything now. So yeah. Um, yeah, I know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, women got upset about it. I, I noted it uh, just because I was thinking, okay, this might be good. It wouldn't hurt for the men to have to give up something, but uh, who but knows? Who, who's Maybe. on social media the most? Let's be honest. I mean, my husband never is on it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the statistics. I'll type them in while we're talking. Yeah. Um, but it kind of it kind of just seems like women are on it the most. Like, I, I don't know. Might be right. Because I think if, well, if, even if guys are going to do something, they're going to watch sports. Yeah. That's what I think. I, I don't think, you know, yeah. I, I I know a lot of guys are on it all the time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask Google. But go well, ahead. I'm on, uh, well, I, I'm not on Facebook. Facebook much. What I am on, though, is uh, other social media that just does voice, just does audio social media. There's apps like mm -hmm. that that I'm on quite a bit, and I sometimes wonder if I get on, I, I get on those mm -hmm. too much. So, uh, okay, here we go. 54% women, it, it's almost the same. 46% men. Um, according to the Pew Research Center, 62% of all of all online men and 72% of women use Facebook. So 51% of 13 to 17 year olds use Facebook. Wow. So I, it's, it's about even, but now like I put like who watches sports, I'll type that in next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why I was really, actually, I was kind of hoping that president Nelson would give the men, uh, a fast from sports or something just to equal the playing field. Uh, but he didn't. And I, I just noted that was interesting. Then he went ahead and talked about men dressing appropriately for women. I've never heard that before. Maybe you have, I've heard things like stay away from pornography, treat your wife good. Mm -hmm. uh, you're equal together, but I've never heard, and maybe it's happened. I just haven't heard it that men need to dress appropriately to impress women. Have you heard that before or make women? I don't even remember him saying that, but I, I don't know. I had it on TV, so I was multitasking. So, okay. Yeah. That, I no, that's good. That. I wonder what they meant by that. I don't know. Maybe, you know, that's, we hear so much about immodesty with women. And I think it's mm -hmm. because women are notorious for dressing immodestly. Now I'm not talking about every woman out there. I'm just saying stereotypically, mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about modesty, it's about women because women can be very seductive. What are guys going to be seductive about? Maybe he's talking about not wearing body piercings or not wearing certain t-shirts that are inflammatory. But I would like to hear, uh, if nothing else, just to get the general authorities viewpoint, I would like to hear. Talks. Maybe he meant if you don't wear pants that are falling down, keep your pants pulled up. Don't show your boxers. Shorts. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. Okay, I've got a statistics for you. 64% of Americans watch NFL football, 73% of men, 55% of women. Wow. So that's a little, I didn't think it'd be that high for women, quite honestly. I didn't need, well, I don't know. I know a lot of women that watch sports mm -hmm. though. Um, but I would really I just like. don't know who has time to watch it. What's that? I just don't know who has time to watch. <laughs> I guess I'm doing something wrong in my life. Probably so. a lot of career women that come home and don't have kids and they watch sports. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I would like to hear uh, more uh, talks about modesty as it pertains to men, just because I would be curious to know what the general authorities think. Do you see a lot of men dressing immodestly? Because you never hear about it, but obviously President Nelson's talking about men dressing. I, would, I wish he would have gotten more specific about it. Uh, maybe he means the guys that walk, the muscle guys that walk around without their shirts on or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, women, we always think that we get the more restrictive stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, my sister-in-law was talking to a friend of hers about... I don't know, I guess the church up here in Billings, there's not many of us compared to Utah. Mm -hmm. And so they were thinking about having a modest prom at the state center. And my sister-in-law just said, uh, I think that really turned a lot of women off because they have a hard time with modesty every time it comes up. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of interesting, like growing up, I, my girls dressed very modestly and then I would see the, um, the Relief Society president's daughters, they wouldn't dress modestly and that always made it more difficult. They, oh, well, you know, Sister Smith's daughters, they don't dress modestly. It's really hard. If once people, if, if they don't, if it, if they don't uphold standards, everybody goes, well, they're not doing it. So why do I, I mean, it's such a common thing in kids. It's like, I, yeah. I wish that I didn't get my kids cell phones for as long as I could. And I wish that I'll just think if parents wouldn't have given in to cell phones, we, we wouldn't be having so many problems. I don't, I think giving kids a cell phone is the worst thing. My, we didn't have video games or anything like that growing up. We were very goal oriented towards music. Here's my take on kids having cell phones. I would have loved to have a cell phone when I was a teenager. And here's why. How many times was I dropped off somewhere and I had to ask around to get to a payphone just to call somebody to have them come pick me up where I could have easily just gotten out the cell phone and called my parents that I need to come, I need you to come get me. Well, I bet you, especially a cell phone would have been nice for you. But in the old days, I even had kids in the time before cell phones where um, I would have parents calling me and saying, hey, is Jack still there? And I go, yeah. Or the kids would ask me, can I use your phone so I can call my parents? Mm -hmm. So I, I think we all got along okay. It, that is easy for convenience, but I don't think the benefits outweigh the risks of because we all made it. I, I think we all made it out a lot better not having a cell phone and being distracted yeah, so much. Yeah, I just remember one time, this was back before I had better cane travel skills, but one time I was on a paratransit bus headed home and the paratransit bus was late and I kept thinking, 
oh, I hope my mom doesn't get panicked about me because I'm not lost. I'm just mm-hmm. here on the bus. And I thought it would sure be nice to have a cell phone to call my mom. Ironically enough, she got me a cell phone that Christmas for that very reason. So I, I maybe I just have a different. No, I remember point. those days. I would be, I lived in Idaho and driving home from college from BYU to Idaho. And during a snowstorm, my mom would have to freak out the whole time wondering if I was safe or not. And if I was an hour late or not, you know, am I dead? So I, I get that. Um, but a lot of times kids don't answer the phone anyway. I, I, you know, like, Hey, and then you, and then you go, Oh my gosh, you're not answering their cell phones. They're dead. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I'm looking at some notes here. I don't know how long you want to, like uh, let's talking go. On. What time is it? It is. Let's go for another fifteen minutes, maybe okay. 15, twenty minutes. Um. Well, I just saw my notes, and we're talking about um, repentance. And I, I did see this by Sharon Eubank that if if your sins are scarlet, they can be white as snow. And that um, you should forgive yourself. That you, if, if you go through the cleansing prom- process, and remember they showed the illustration. Uh, you didn't see that, but they showed like if you're um, the wo- the dye that they used for wool was dark red, and you couldn't get it out. And so there's another one. If you're cr- crimson as wool, you know then they'll be white as snow. They they just had a lot of those metaphors that were giving that were given. But you have to repent and you have to you have to be sincere about your repentance process. Yeah. But they they I thought that was I I, I remember I had a friend and he had done some bad things and I pulled the scripture out that said though your skit sin be a scarlet they can be as white as snow and he was crying and he, he was saying it like this <gasps> i'm gonna cry i'm gonna make myself cry crying but he would go if my sins are red as scarlet they'll be white as snow and he would just sobbing to think that he had a chance again because people that don't grow up um with with commandments I don't know how much, how many bad things would I have done if I didn't grow up Mormon? You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would. I don't, I don't, I think that I'd like to think that I, that my spirit has, a, you know, just a natural tendency, not, not to get myself in trouble and to obey the 10 commandments. But, but I don't know because temptations and th- things that are bad feel really good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's just it's easier to be bad because it just makes you feel better. I mean, it's funner. Let's face it. Oh yeah, they say wickedness never was happiness, but it can be a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie, especially well with the ladies. I'll just keep it at that. Well, yeah, everybody's <laughs> mind kind of goes there, and yeah. but some people are really big into drinking and drugs, and they can't do that, or they don't. Or like, hey, I don't want to keep the Sabbath day holy. I don't want to pay tithing. And they're a lot happier having the money for themselves and not paying the 10%. Having a a day is Sunday. It's an extra vacation. They can go travel. Yeah. 
So. Well, uh, what did you think of Brooke P. Hale's talk? That was interesting. Um, well, why don't you remind me what that was about? That was the talk where he talked about the blind person. Oh, okay. Fact, I texted you, text you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you go first. Well, I it, when he talked about the person who uh, the person who he was referring to was Pat Patricia, and. I guess uh, Patricia was out not too long ago on the back porch with her three-year-old niece or nephew or somebody that was three and said, uh, why don't you pray to God to have him heal your eyes because he can. And she was dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. So he said, so she said, um, well, God has a reason for me being blind. I'm paraphrasing. God has a reason to be blind and for me being blind and uh, something to the effect of all we'll find out in the next life or something to that effect. It reminded me of a story that happened to me. I don't know, Janelle, do you remember back in the 80s? I don't, I obviously Desert Books sold the, do you remember these uh, old te, old and New Testament tapes with a picture book? Yes, I have those. They were, um, I'll put it, Eagle Marketing sold Who? them. My husband sold really? them. He worked for Eagle Marketing and they, they have, well, they started off with the Illustrated Book of Mormons and they had the cassette oh. tapes. My family, I grew up, that's how I got my testimony, quite honestly looking at these pictures and listening to the tapes when I was a little kid. Were they a multi-level marketing thing? Yeah. Really? They were. And they, they had door-to-door salesmen. And then they, then they got, um, so they had Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine, Covenants. And then when they had uh, more sophistication and they had the videos. Have you seen the, the cartoon videos of the Bible and the Book of Mormon? I have, yeah, I have seen those. So, okay, so those were... Was it the guy who had the very distinctive voice reading the the book? Um, that I think that was Journey to Bethany. Do you remember those? That's what my family listened to when I was growing up as a kid. That was on an old serial, on a you know like a a record player. No, the, and these would... were uh, tapes. My grandmother got me these tapes for my eighth birthday. And it had, they were two tapes, two New Testament tapes. And apparently there was a book. I probably got the book, but I ignored it. And it was one of those, maybe you, maybe it is what you're talking about. It said, when you hear this tone and it give off the tone, that means turn the page. When you hear this tone, when you hear these two tones, that means go to the next picture. Is that the same type of tapes you had? Probably, or there's also the Book of Mormon Reader. I don't know if, if they had, I mean, there. I think a lot of different companies made, a, a lot of different religions made their version of um, okay. audio scriptures. So I, so I don't know. But I, I grew what up on mean? those, and I, I'm a big fan of them. I got these tapes, and I'm not kidding. I was so excited about it. I listened to the tapes most of the evening, with the exception hmm. of dinner. 
And it probably took me probably an hour and a half, two hours to get through. But I just remember being so excited about it. And one night I was doing my homework and my cousin was sitting next to me and I said, I know how to get my sight back. And she said, how? And I said, well, we need to go to the backyard and put mud on my eyes. And Mud on your eyes? Mud, Like yeah. that with Jesus? Oh, because yeah, Jesus yeah, did that? Because the oh, story cute. said mud instead of clay. Oh. Probably mm-hmm. because maybe they were thinking little kids didn't know the difference between clay and Play-Doh oh. or something. Oh. So you yeah. did that? We never did, and I'll tell you why. I think it was because of the tone in which my cousin said, oh, that's what Jesus did. I think it kind oh. of scared me a little. Oh. Uh, I think it was because of the way she said it. I think I made her dumbfounded or something, so I just dropped the whole idea because it was scaring me after that point. Oh, wow. That, I bet it's so bad you wish you could do that. I don't know what I would do if, if I couldn't see. It's just, it's just easy, you know. I, you always go like, which of the five senses? I concluded that last time after um, losing my sense of taste for a week, that that, that would be the easiest sense to lose because it doesn't affect how you function. But oh, it's not yeah. fun. <laughs> it's yeah. not very fun, you know, but you could yeah. function if you can't taste. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was on my mind and – I don't know. I, I think it was just the tone of voice my cousin used that kind of scared me. So I was afraid to even bring up the topic again. But I remember long after I told my cousin about putting mud on my eyes, I always wondered if it would work. I I never tried it. Oh. <laughs> had sure. you had a blessing to for your sight to be restored ever? Uh, well, I was actually blessed by, well, keep in mind, I was born blind, but yeah, a blessing would say I would see again, but you know, that could be, that. that's pretty subjective. That could be in this life, could be in the next. It didn't say, so uh, kind of going back to what this talk was about how we have some of our blessings don't get restored in this life was the talk and then actually before that i was really touched by the missionary who his son they bought a missionary suit and it was too tight for him he couldn't wear it so his parents put money in his bank account so he could go buy a new suit and then his uh elder brooke oh yeah wrote, i loved that story yeah um so yeah what did you make of that whole talk um, I can think of a lot of situations in my life where those things have happened. Um, it, it's hard, like some things will happen, you know, like naturally, but when, when I look at it, when things are too much of a coincidence, then I believe it's divine. But, but the, like, they're asking us to believe that God has a hand in everything that we do. And I I don't know if that's too big of a stretch to make. I'd like to think that, but I don't, I don't know how God does it because I can't even, I have, I don't know. I could have 5,000 Facebook friends. I've got hundreds of people I haven't responded to. So like, that's the maximum. I, I can't even keep track of my kids. 
So I don't know how God does it. So do, how does God do everything? How does he really know everything? But that, but that's what, if you're a member of this church, you're really buying into that God is in the details of our lives. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. And, but I, I don't always think so. I mean, cause I, I don't always get what I want. And as far as, you know, I'm sure you had a blessing to see. I've had, um, I have a, a rare disease. I'll tell you later about it later. Mm-hmm. That make the well. I'll just, I don't care. I'll just tell it right now. I have, but I don't want to dwell on it. it. It's a disease where it's called patulosis station tube, where everything I hear is is loud. Celine Dion is retiring because of it. So people get it and they go crazy. And I don't know how many blessings I've had. Please, God, take this away from me. And my daughter has epilepsy as a result of an accident at church. I'm like, please, I don't want her to have epilepsy. How, how many like uh, things that we don't want to have and and we have them and they're not going to go away. And I beg, begged and begged and begged. Please, I don't want this. Please, God, I don't want this. So I don't know. Like, really, sometimes the gospel is really, really easy. But sometimes it's really hard to understand. And everybody always says, how come somebody was saved from a car wreck and somebody died? You know, and they both prayed for a safe trip. So how do you explain that one? I don't know. It's all about faith, isn't it? Um, it it is. Down to it. It's completely about faith. Yeah. And by the way, we're getting close to the deadline. But I'm going to just tell you something else. Because we're talking about the sin thing, um, Garrett Gong talked about losing sheep, and oh, yeah. so he talked about this story probably affected me more than any one of them. You can tell as I'm kind of choking up. Yeah. That, that there was a story about the lady who had compassion for the thief. He ran out of the store and he had stolen two bags of goods. And while the policeman was yelling at him, a lady had compassion for the thief and said, I will pay for the food. Let him go to help and save him. And comparing that to the atonement. So um, God has compassion on us. I, I've had some things in my life where I'm completely motivated by passion. I mean, compassion mm-hmm. for for others and people ask me why why am I doing that I'm doing like something that's so stupid right now you know and they're like why are you trying to help this person and and to me the answer is compassion in the Bible in Luke or whatever the story of the Good Samaritan they they actually referenced that story the Good Samaritan they didn't say it by name they just said on the road to Jericho but um, the, but the, the Good Samaritan was motivated by compassion. And people, their, their sympathy, if somebody has sympathy for you, they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. Yeah. And that's nothing. If somebody has empathy, that's a good thing. But compassion is the one that really, that doesn't just, you know, like, I, I would say if, if the Good Samaritan had empathy for the thief, he would have just um, said, woke him up and, gave him some money but to have compassion he took him to the inn and cared for him and then left money for him afterwards yeah yeah that uh, that definitely makes you think a lot doesn't it 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, were, is there anything else you wanted to add to this discussion? Um, well, why don't you conclude? Because it's your podcast, so. All right. Well, um, I think we had a good discussion. Sorry for getting off topic at the first part, uh, talking about gun control. But I know that, uh, Janalee, you're an advocate for against gun control. Mm-hmm. And I think we actually had a good discussion. And I wish that we had more of these discussions about gun control because too often it always comes down to, oh, if you mention this, you're against, you're for gun control. No, I just want people to be safe. That's where I'm coming from. So I'm glad we had this discussion. To be safe without infringing on rights, without going and confiscating, and, and without, on, on, a, on an accusation, without being proven guilty in a court of law, you don't lose your gun rights on somebody thinking that you're going to go crazy. That's just a road we just can't go down. Oh, I agree with you on the red flag thing. I I guess I was just referring to more of the mental illness and all that. But yeah, no, I agree with you on the red flag bill. I'm I'm not happy President Trump will sign it, but he will. Uh, A red flag? You think he's going to sign that? Yeah, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Have you? Plus, he's... Um, I don't don't know if it's... it's, I I, I haven't heard his feelings on that yet. I hope not. Um, well, uh, next week, there may or may not be a podcast. I will be on vacation, but uh, we, I will definitely get one up uh, the middle of April sometime. In fact, I'm going to have someone on. We had uh, mid-singles on how they studied the Come Follow Me manual. Uh, so I want to get a family on Oh, oh under that's the direction good. of my sister, which I actually agree oh. with her on. So we're going to do that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I love that manual. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, folks, I will talk to you all later. Okay. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Yeah.